Yeah, um, so this is my way of uh, uh, protecting the platform a little bit, and I'm going to give Nate his spot over there, because everybody's like, oh, we love Nate, we love Nate, we love Nate. And I'm like, okay, okay. No, he is, he's awesome. Uh, we only have him for a short time, so I want to squeeze everything out of him that I can get before he takes off to North Carolina. And uh, he's going to be uh, serving uh, down there as a doctor uh, for somewhere between, I think, four to seven years. We're not sure. Uh, and then who knows what God has for him. Hopefully, God will bring him back here. But anyway, those of you who enjoyed his talk last, uh, last week, Nate and I were talking afterwards, and uh, he mentioned that he has done this truth project before. And he said, I'd be willing to do that. I'm like, I think there will be some people that want to do that, and I want to do it. So I'm going to try to come on Sunday nights too. And if, if Nate can't be there for some, some reason, I'll be doing it that, that time as well with him. So uh, if you're interested, though, this is a feeler. The next two weeks, we're just seeing if there's some, some interest because it is such a spontaneous reaction to, the, to last week's message uh, that I thought, well, let's just throw it out there and see if there's some people that want to do it. So if you are interested, sign up today, okay, uh, on the sheet there by the welcome uh, welcome desk. But we are uh, having a great time studying God's Word together. And this is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what we're doing. That's what the Holy Spirit was just kind of laid on my heart to get up here and share this verse with you real quick. It's not in my message, but this is what we're doing. We are getting into the Word of God during this 40 days series of getting into the Word. What we're doing is we are using muddy, powerful weapons that destroy thoughts that are against God, thoughts that are against who God made you to be, thoughts that are not true of who you are. And when we begin to let God's Word rule and reign in us, it changes us. Can I get an amen? And uh, I'm so uh, proud of those of you who are taking on these challenges. Three challenges. One, listen to every message every week. And if you can't be here, listen to it online, right? Number two, memorize a verse a week. And if you're on our Word team or if you want to be on our Word team, uh, you can still sign up. Uh, we're going to be doing this from now as long as I'm here. Every week for the rest of uh, eternity here at the Lamb of God Fellowship. We've been doing it for a couple years but I'm asking you to establish a lifelong lifestyle of memorizing, meditating on God's Word because of what it does for you, okay? And if you are on the team or you sign up and you want to be on the team, we've got a gift for you. Look at this awesome little band here. It says Word Team on it, and it says Speak, Think, and Do. Can anybody yell out to me the verse that this is really talking about where it says Speak it, Think it, Do it? Anybody know what reference that is? Yeah, Joshua 1.8 where it was one of our memory verses where the Lord was telling Joshua, do not let this book of the law uh, depart from your mouth. I think we memorized it. Uh, don't let it uh, leave your lips, but meditate on it day and night so that you're careful to do it, and then your way will be prosperous and successful. Speak about it. Think about it. Do it. Okay? So to get one of these, if you're on the Word team, all you got to do is go to the welcome desk say, I want my bracelet. And we have four beautiful colors for you. You can be like Pastor Tim and get a gray one. Uh-huh. There you go. Gray. Or we have red, green, and light blue. Robin, you got green? You got red. All right. The power color. The Rams. But anyway, um, this is what we're doing. As we are getting into the Word of God, 
you see, we are demolishing the wrong thinking, the wrong thoughts, and we're replacing it with the truth, and the truth does what? Sets us free. And so I just applaud and commend you, and I've been hearing a lot of uh, stories, a lot of good reports. And so today, I thought we would, um, as I go through the message, I want to share with you seven things that, that changes, that the Word of God changes in us, seven things that the Word of God does in us, okay? And as I go through these points, if you've got a 30-second testimony, when I ask for it, just pop up real quick. And I just want to celebrate what God is already doing because I'm hearing testimonies all the time. And I'm not looking for a long story. I'm just looking, yes, that applies to me. This is what's happened in my life. And, and let's celebrate together what God is already doing, okay? So think about, is there anything that God has been doing in your life in the last four weeks? Has the Word of God, memorizing the Scriptures, uh, has it changed anything? Has it done anything for you? And if, and if that's so... I want you to pop up, and I need a mic traveler. Can somebody be my assistant when we do this and run around and hand this mic to somebody? Can somebody? All right, so you'll be my assistant. Awesome. That is uh, muted right there. Okay, let's get started. Grab your notes. Hopefully you got them there. And uh, this last week's memory verse, what was it? Psalm 119 or Psalm 19, verse 7. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember it, but it says that the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul or reviving the soul. It goes on to say the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple, making us smart, making us wise. What I love about this is it's telling us that the word of God, if you will meditate on it, if you'll read it, study it, think about it, if you speak it, it will revive your soul. Megan was just talking about revival. How does a revival happen? When people get into the Word of God and the Spirit of God breathes life into it. It literally revives your soul. It builds you up. It strengthens you. It enlightens you. It does so many things we're going to talk about. This week's memory verse is a little bit of a challenge. So if you like the challenge, you're all set. You're going to go for it. If, you, if you're not up for a big challenge, just get the first phrase down, okay? Because that's, that's a really important. Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is alive and active. I want you to at least memorize that much this week. For the word of God is alive and active. Okay, it goes on to say, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the word of God gets down where nobody else can get to. It gets right down into your heart, right into your intentions, right into your motives, and it exposes as like a plumb line would where we're off so that we can align ourselves with God. So when we are studying and, and praying and we're looking at the scriptures, the scriptures get into where nobody else can. You can't even, some, have you ever, like you don't even know what you're feeling sometimes? But the Bible does, God does. He knows you better than you know your own heart and when you're spending time in the Word, He shows you stuff so that you can come in better alignment with Him, not to make you feel bad, not to beat you up, not to criticize you, but to show you you need to bring this attitude, you need to bring this thought over here because you will have more life, there's more peace. It's, it's harming you to think this way, to believe this way, to do this way. So let's bring it in where you can be prosperous and successful. And so that's what the Word of God does. It constantly is a plumb line to our heart and our attitudes and our motives 
And God exposes that so that we can bring it back into alignment with his plan for our lives. That's what we're doing, okay? So, but the Bible that says of itself, the word of God is alive. And it's active. There's no other book anywhere in all of creation that's alive like this one. There is something dynamic about the word of God that is hard to describe. It, so the, the author just says, it's living. It's alive. It's doing something. So kind of... Um, to put a little bit more meaning to it, in the Greek, that word for alive is the word zeol, which means to live. It actually produces life. It's actually a living power. And you're exposing yourself to life, the source of life itself. Remember the scripture that says that the scriptures are God-breathed, right? This, this word of God is the breath of God. And all of creation was created with the word of God, the breath of God. And the Bible says of itself, that, that same breath, it's still breathing to all who will listen. All who hear and listen, it will breathe into you the very life of God, the power of God to change your life. It is alive. It's filled with this life source that created everything that we see. All the stars in the heavens, all the galaxies, all the, all the earth, the trees, all the plants, all the waters, all the mountains, everything that we know of, all of creation was breathed out by God, and that breath is still accessible to you and to me. And if you will listen and let the breath of God through his word come upon you, it will breathe life into you. This is pretty awesome. If you're dying, then you need some injections of God's word. You need his life. It will revive you. It will refresh you. It's alive. The other word for that is active. It says, for the word of God is alive and Active, and that, that word in Greek is energis, from which we get the word energy. So it is filled with life, and it's filled with energy, and it is literally uh, charged. It's charged with the very power that can change your life. And so John, uh, John 6, 30, 63 says, the spirit gives life, Jesus is speaking, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. They are full of spirit and life. When Jesus spoke to people, they were changed. They were healed. They, the eyes were open. The lame were walking. The dead, he spoke to the dead, and they listened. And the spirit came back into them, and they revived, and they were literally raised from the dead, from his words, from his words. And these words are here right now for every single one of us today who will choose to listen and believe. The same power, the same breath of God is still breathing today. So what do you need in your life? What do we need most in our, in our lives? We need some change. I don't know about you, but maybe there's some things in your life you just like, I need this to be changed. And I've been trying to change it. Some of you have battled addictions or struggles your whole lifetime or attitudes or words have been spoken over you and like I just wish I could change I wish I could be different and there's things that we want to change that we can't change but I'm telling you that the word of God with the spirit of God can change that in you and so we need that and the Bible I want to give you seven ways that the Bible can change us uh, D.L. Moody is a famous uh, you know theologian back in the day he said this the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge the Bible was given to change our lives, okay? So it's not about just learning and studying and, uh, you know, oh, I know so many verses and, 
I, I know all these stories, and I could tell you all kinds of things about the Bible and tell you all these great principles. So what? Right? Jesus said, so what? If you hear it and you don't do it, it doesn't matter. Your house is coming crashing down. We got a storm going on today. I hope my trampoline is still there when I get home. Last night, me and my son went out there. We got some toll straps. We tied it all the way to this anchored, you know, swing set post thing that I got in the cement. And I'm like, I don't know if that's going to work or not, but we'll see. It might be like going, woo, like this. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But the storms of life come. As we started the series, the storms of life come. Yes, sir. We got a testimony? You have a testimony? Or run it over there. Let's go. We're going to get you in shape today, Robin. Hi, my name is Andrew. Um, it wasn't that long ago you wouldn't even recognize me. Um, I was pretty much dead to the world and myself. And coming here and getting into the Word of God, I am a new creation. I'm happier than I've ever been, and my life now has purpose. Amen. <laughs> That's awesome. And the, the storms of life come. And as we started this series out, it's not just hearing. It's putting it into practice that makes the difference. And, uh, and so we're not about just gaining knowledge. We're not reading the Bible every day. I'm not challenging you, by the way. The third challenge is to read the Bible every day. That's the third challenge. Not just memorize one verse a week, but get in the Word every day. Why? Not to gain knowledge, but to be changed, to be transformed, to be renewed, to be revived, to be prosperous and successful in, in the way of God and, and to live the life that He's called you to live, to experience healing to experience freedom, to experience joy, to experience peace. So it's, it's to do it so that we are blessed from it and we come alive, right? This is the most important uh, habit you can put in place in your life is a daily time with God and His Word. It is the, by far, the greatest thing you can do every day of your life, okay? So we're going to go through seven points, as Andrew just did. As I go through these points, I'm going to briefly say, hey, anybody got a quick testimony? And I'd love to hear a report from you, okay? The first one, seven specific ways that God wants to change your life with his word is this. First of all, God's word recreates my life. Recreates my life. This is called, as Jesus called it, being born again. Being born again. Uh, the Bible uh, says this in James 1.18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Through the word of truth. Uh, when we heard the word, something happened. And faith came, and we believed it, and we were born again. When we heard about Jesus and God's love demonstrated to us through Christ, and we, we by faith, uh, accepted that word, we were born again. Your spirit came alive. You were forgiven of your sins. You had a new destiny, a new purpose, and you had a new power on the inside of you to actually live out this new destiny and this new purpose. It's the spirit of God came into you. And has been empowering you ever since. Uh, Romans 1.16, Paul says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to almost everybody who believes. No! To everyone who what? Who believes. So I'm always asking you, are you a believer? Is there any promise in the Bible that you don't want to believe? Why not? Why would you not choose to believe? Every promise in the scriptures. Every promise is sitting there, and we need to choose. Am I going to believe that? Then there's salvation for me. It's for everyone who believes. Not just, yes, Jesus died for me and I'm forgiven. What about all the other promises of God? 
Aren't those already yes in Christ? Aren't those already on the table, the banquet table for you to partake of, to eat of, to chew on, to, to receive? Yes, they are. So be a believer and keep being a believer and be a better believer and a bigger believer in your life. Anybody want to give a short testimony? Anybody about anything like that? Okay. All right. Second. Okay, go ahead. Hi, my name is Robin. Um, as most of you know, um, we have a Celebrate Recovery group that we are doing. And just recently, um, one of the questions came up about um, what are the differences in your life now that you have Christ in your life? And, you know, I, I started writing out, you know, different areas of my life. And I realized that I didn't even think about my alcoholism. And to me, that just proved that I have been delivered from that. And it was only because I gave it up. I gave it over to God for him to work that through me. And now I forget that that was even such a big part of my life. You hmm. know, when I look at all the things that have changed in me, there's so many, and I forget about that one. And that was just amazing to me that, that you know, God was showing me, see, you just got to give it up. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Second Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. The new has come. We are a new identity. We no longer identify with alcoholism. We identify with who we are in Christ. And he gives us a new identity. Second Timothy 3.15, Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says, remember how from infancy... You have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And so he's saying, Timothy, remember, it's through the scriptures that God opens up the way of salvation to you. And he makes you wise, and you come alive through the word of God. And that's what's happening here. We're coming alive. We're becoming wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and through the holy scriptures. All right? The second way that the... the the, the word of God changes our life, is God's word eradicates my guilt. It eliminates my guilt. It blows it up and gets it out of there. And you know what? I got good news for you. God does not want you to live life with guilt. He doesn't want you to live suffering through shame, condemnation. He doesn't want you to live that way. That's not coming from him. It's not of him. It's not what he came to do is to get, condemn you, to make you feel bad to shame you, to wag, wave his hand in your face, shame on you. He didn't come to do that. How many of you are glad he came to save us, forgive us, deliver us, rescue us out of that, that spirit of condemnation and shame? So the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from almost all unrighteousness. Isn't that good news? No, I'm glad you guys are uh, studying your scriptures. No, that's not what it says. I know, I'm just having fun with you to make a point. From all will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no. It doesn't say almost no. It says there is no condemnation for those who have placed their faith in Christ, those who are in Christ Jesus, those who are trusting in the Lord. There is zero, zero condemnation. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and power 
and a sound mind. God doesn't bring fear. He doesn't bring condemnation. He doesn't bring guilt to us. Aren't you glad he doesn't want us to live like that? We've all made mistakes. We've all screwed up. We all have regrets. But God doesn't want you to be shackled to your problems. He doesn't want you to be shackled to a fallen identity. He wants you to be renewed and, and live free. Has anybody got a testimony for us on being set free from guilt or shame or condemnation? Right over here. Right over here. Thank you. Tell us your name. Hi, I'm Cheryl. And recently I lost all of my siblings. And I felt guilt after losing them. I felt like it was my fault. But then God told me that it wasn't my fault. That's good. The, uh, the enemy is the one who speaks to us and lies to us and tries to get us to punish ourselves. But the punishment for our sins was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. That's what Isaiah said. So the punishment for our sin, for our transgressions, for our iniquities, for our mistakes, was placed upon Jesus. Therefore, the enemy is lying to you that you now have to punish yourself. What he's saying is Jesus didn't do enough. What he did didn't cover that sin. What he, what he did didn't cover that because that's really bad, and you should really feel bad, and you should beat yourself up, and you should punish yourself, and you should put yourself in a timeout, and you should even forget about God ever using you, and you should forget about being happy and filled with joy and peace because you're a screw-up. And what God did wasn't enough for that because that was really bad. Do you hear what I'm saying? That is a lie. That is a lie. So you should never have some sort of self-punishment because that's not going to uh, help you. It's not going to help the people around you. It's, it's a trick of the enemy to get you to be sidelined from what God has for you. And so we thank God that all of my sins, all of our sins are forgiven. All of them have been paid for on the cross. My rebellion, my, my ignorance, uh, my purposeful sin, my accidental sin, my idiot, idiot sin, whatever. It's all been covered. All been covered, okay? Now, here's, a, here's a, a verse I like, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 26. It says, husbands, uh, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So Christ gave himself up for the church to make her holy. And it says here, cleansing her, cleansing the church. Christ cleansed the church, that's you and me, by the washing with water through the word. The word of God washes us. It's, I like this analogy. It's like spiritual soap, okay? So how does the Word of God change us? It washes us. It washes us clean of condemnation and guilt and shame. As you give yourself to the Scriptures, you will see over and over again the Spirit of God is confirming to you that you are forgiven, that you are loved, that you are special, that God is with you, that God is for you, that God's working on your behalf, that He'll turn all things to your good if you just trust Him and follow him, that every time that you trust him, he will show himself trustworthy. And over and over and over again, there's a cleansing, there's a spiritual soap that gets rid of the crud and the dirt and the, and the ugliness of our lives. And it transforms us and it scrubs us clean. Scrubs us clean. That's, what this, that's what's happening to some of you. You're getting your minds changed as you're giving yourself over to the word of God. John uh, 15, 3, Jesus said, uh, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And so let the word of God 
Listen, let the word of God, like a uh, soap-filled sponge, let it rub your mind, your heart, your soul. Let, let it scrub the stuff away. Let it cleanse you. And, let, and may you experience the, the, just the purifying of the word of God from all of that grime and junk and shame and be cleansed. The third way that God's word changes our life is God's word activates my faith. God's word activates your faith. We know this verse in Romans, it says, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. As we learn and we hear it, that's why it's important to even, when you're memorizing your scriptures, you actually memorize your scriptures by speaking. The best way to memorize something is to speak it out loud. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, so I'll give you a little tip. It's to say it out loud. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. Keep repeating it out loud. It's, it's easier to memorize than just thinking it inside your head, but to speak it out loud. And the word is meant to be spoken. And when it's spoken, you can even speak it over yourself. Faith comes. Because something to do with hearing the word of God, is, the Bible says it activates our faith. It builds us up. It gives us confidence. So the faith is word activated. You know, there's self-help books that tell you the right things to do, but they don't have the power for you to do it. But this book here tells you the right things to do, and it gives you the power to do it. It actually empowers you as you're reading it, as you're speaking it. It actually, something supernatural is happening. Why? Because the Word of God is active, it's alive, and it's active. Some of your Bibles say it's living, and it's active, right? It has energies. It has energy. It has life. It has zeal. It has the power of life in it. And so... Um, you know, in times of struggle or disappointment or delay or weakness in our life, faith keeps us pressing forward. We need the Word of God in those moments of discouragement or delay or hardship or crisis. We need the Word of God because that's where our faith comes from. And the faith is what keeps us pressing forward in God, relying on God and trusting in Him. And so this is so important. The Word of God activates our faith, okay? I remember years ago, a short short. Real short story. Um, in my early years of pastoring, I had several moments where I was ready to just give up, uh, and just like I, uh, I'm just not, I'm not made for this, you know. And uh, and then the Lord would give me a, a verse or a phrase. I want to share just a real quick personal verse that God gave me uh, out of Joshua chapter one. This was years ago, and I've used this as encouragement to me when I'm going through a difficult time. And I just want to give up. I don't know if you've ever uh, know that you're supposed to be doing something. You get doing it, but you still want to give up. Anybody had that before? Just because stuff doesn't seem like it's working or it could be hard. And so uh, God gave me this verse out of Joshua chapter 1. And I hope this is an encouragement to you, okay, because this is what he's called me to do. Uh, it says here, he's talking to Joshua. This is right after Moses had, had uh, died and now Joshua's in charge. And Joshua's probably freaking out, like, how am I going to lead all these people? And uh, verse 5, he says, God says, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that's encouraging. encouraging. But verse 6 is what God was speaking to me. He said, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Some of you uh, know that I am a, I'm the second generational pastor of this church. Pastor Bob is our founding pastor. And uh, when I when I took on this role, uh, you know, 
and going through the early years of struggling, trying to figure out how to be a pastor, I was like, I don't, I don't think I can do this. I don't know how these guys did it. All these elders, they're amazing people. Pastor Bobby's an amazing guy. Uh, I, don't, I can't take this, you know. And then God gave me this verse, and he says, listen, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore their forefathers to give them. And, uh, and so uh, this is nothing special about me. It was encouragement to say, listen, come on, these people, I have a plan for these people, and I want you to help, help them find that promised land. I want you to help them inherit the promises that I have for them. And, and so it really encouraged me that God is at work. He's doing it. And so I got to hang in there because God has a plan for your life and my life, and he, he puts us together, you know, to accomplish that plan. So when you're going through a hard time, what do you do? If you, you can give up, or you can get strong in the Word of God, and the Word of God will build your faith, and it'll help you through those difficult times, and you'll hang in there until you're encouraged again, okay? So the fourth statement I want to make about the Word of God. First of all, let's see if there's a testimony there. Yes, we have a testimony over here. Thanks for sharing. You guys are, as you guys share, isn't that encouraging to hear each other's stories? And Hi, I'm Chantel Harris. This is my husband, Phil. Um, we moved up here in July from Tennessee. My husband's a veteran. And within 30 days, my husband actually lost his job. So it was very hard. Um, he lost it because of a disability from Iraq. We immediately filed to increase his disability because he's no longer able to work. And we found out that the VA was actually taking his disability. They dropped him down to 30%, and he was no longer going to be service-connected for a lot of things that happened in Iraq. We found Lamb of God in December, and the very first Sunday here, Pastor Tim actually invited us to Bible study. And during that time, we were very upset. Like, there was a lot of anger in our hearts for God because we didn't understand why he called us to move to Michigan, and this happened. We kept meeting with Pastor every Monday, and last Monday, he said that he had a friend who works with disabled veterans and he wanted to meet us. We met with him on Wednesday. He prayed over us, and Pastor Tim has just kind of continuously helped us just kind of get through this. They put our hands, their hands on us and prayed over us, and the very next day after meeting Peter, we found out that the VA has granted my husband 100% disability. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lord. Uh, we found out yesterday that it's now considered total and permanent, so the VA can never take his disability again. And he can get treatment for the rest of his life. Yep. And it's all because Pastor Tim invited us and helped us grow in our faith. And we just continuously prayed. And so he can finally get the treatment he deserves after it was going to take away. And that was mm -hmm. the only time in the last probably six years that we weren't in the word. And that we weren't going to church every Sunday. That we were just struggling. And so because of Lamb of God, my husband now has 100% disability and can get treatment for the rest of his life. So thank, thank you. Lord. That's why we need each other. We are a family. We need each other. We need each other. You need somebody before you know you need them. Okay? So you have to get connected and grounded. Uh, we'll get to you in a few minutes, okay? And, and uh, grounded before that, those needs, you know. But, but God was gracious to you that you didn't even have that. And it wasn't your fault. You just showed up and God met you right where you're at. God's gracious and merciful to all of us. But let's develop, you know, that, that friendship with one another. Um, go ahead. Heidi, you had a short testimony? Hi, I'm Heidi. Isaiah 43, 19 says, See, I am doing a new thing. 
Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, the next statement I want to make is God's word stimulates my growth, okay? Acts 20, verse 32, uh, I think Paul is talking, um, I think it's to the, guy, the, the believers in Ephesus, and this is his last time of being with them, and he knows it. He knows that the, God has called him uh, to go to Jerusalem. He has a premonition that he's going to be arrested, and he just feels like this is his last time with his, with his buddies in, in Ephesus. So he says this to them, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And so Paul, being a, a pastor, uh, I, I'm sorry, it was Paul, not Peter. Paul was speaking to these guys. Being a, uh, having a pastor's heart, he commended them to God and to his word. And he says the word of God, the word of grace, can build you up and help you access your inheritance. How many of you believe that? The word of God builds us up. It helps us grow helps us access our inheritance. Now, right now on planet Earth, I believe the most wealthiest person is Jeff Bezos of Amazon. He's the wealthiest person in the world. That's what I believe. And I think he has four children. And how crazy would it be uh, on the aftermath of Jeff Bezos passing away that his four kids wouldn't sit down and listen to the will, the reading of the will? That would be pretty crazy, wouldn't it? Be like, ah, whatever, you know, I don't, I'm not interested. Uh, that would be insane. But here's the deal. The Bible says that it can build you up and release your inheritance to you. Though your Father in heaven is not dead, he has given you his will. He has given you his inheritance. And he is richer than Jeff Bezos. Listen to me, how crazy would it be for any of us to not open up and read what his will is for my life, to read what the inheritance of God is for me while I'm alive, not dead, right? This is not just about the, the here and after. This is about the here and now, too. This is about life right now. What is his will? What is his inheritance? Do you know who you are? Do you know how rich your father is? Do you know what he has willed to you through the blood of Christ? Do you know? That's what we're going to find out. As we read, we know. As our knowledge base increases, so does our ability to receive these gifts and promises of God for us. Can I get an amen on that? This is a living inheritance. It's a living inheritance. It's not a, a dead inheritance. When you die, you get this. No. Not, no inheritance operates that way. It's when the other person dies and we're alive, we get it. When we're alive, this is called a living inheritance from our Father. And so I want to encourage you, uh, 2 Timothy 3, um, 16 to 17 says, All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I think this might be in your notes. The teaching part says this, God shows me the path to walk on. The rebuking part of the word of God, God shows me how I got off the path. The, the correcting, God shows me how to get back on the path. And the training is how to keep me on the path. And what does that? The word of God. The word of God. So that when I'm on the path and I'm 
learning from God, I am literally receiving my living inheritance as I walk this life out by faith. The favor of God surrounds me. The blessing of the Lord is upon me. His health is with me. His vision for the future is there. He's directing my footsteps. He's giving me all that I need for life and for godliness. You see what I'm saying? I'm just speaking out a whole bunch of little phrases of different verses that God has put in my heart. And so that's who we are. And, uh, you know, when you, when you place your faith in Jesus, you're not just a believer. You are a belonger. As soon as you place your faith in Christ, you now belong to the family. You now are a son and daughter of God. You now have a living inheritance. You're like, yeah, but, but, but I don't deserve it. Uh, do you know what I did in the past? I haven't earned it. Well, welcome to the club. Okay? It doesn't work that way. You believe, you're forgiven, you're grafted in, you are a belonger. You belong to God. You are his son, you are his daughter. You have an inheritance right now because of what he's done, not because of what you've done, that prodigal son story, right? It's about the love of the father, not about the sin of the son. All right, so who's got testimony? Anybody got testimony? Way in the back there? All right, while you're going back there, let me just keep reading, okay? Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. His divine power has given us everything. Everybody say everything. Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him, through our growing knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. Everybody say, so that. So that through them you may participate. Through these promises you get to participate in the divine nature. That's awesome. That's awesome. Is that Judy? Hello? Okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, I'm Judy. Um, Don and I, excuse me, live on a farm, and uh, we've lived there a number of years, and we've gone back and forth in our discussions. What are we going to do with the farm? What do we do with this house? And the house is old, and it needs work, and, and we've just gone back and forth. And uh, one morning this week, we sat down and we were having a discussion, and it reminded me of the vision planning. We didn't set out to have a vision planning meeting, but that's what it was turning out to be. And so we were just talking, and um, I realized I did have vision for our house and our property, and, and, uh, and Don is very much a... Um, I don't know if you'd call it like an analytical thinker and like got to have it down on paper and got to have the details and got to have the specifics and, and where I had it in my head. And I was conscious of the verse. God's, I want to bring this up in context with the word. God's word is practical for our daily lives. And there's a vision or there's a word that says without a vision, the people perish. And that's where we've been at. It's like we didn't have a common vision. And what do we do? What do we do? I don't know. I don't know. And, uh, and then another verse came to my mind. And I told Don, I think it's, and I'm not sure how to pronounce this book. I think it might be Habakkuk. Is that how to pronounce it? That's good, that's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
in there, there's a verse that says um, something about write the words down so that he who reads it can run with it. And so I says to Don, that's what I got to do. I got to put all this vision that I've got in my head. I've got to put it down on paper. And so I've already started doing it. And I am just so excited. And um, um, the bottom line, though, is God's word is practical for our daily lives where the rubber meets the road. Amen. That's awesome. The next point that kind of leads into is God's word illuminates my mind. It actually illuminates my mind. It helps me to see. And this is very practical. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding. It gives me uh, sight. I can see better. Psalm 19, 8 says the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Uh, Psalm 119.99 says, I have more insight than my teachers because I meditate on your statutes. I meditate on your word. And uh, the word of God does give us practical insight. It actually opens our eyes and helps us see. Some of you have this memorized, Psalm 119.105. It says, uh, what is it? The, the, yeah, see? Yes, the word of God is a lamp. Yeah, yeah, I have this memorized, but my mind is not working. I'm hearing all these mumbles. Let me read what I have. Yeah, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. It's like a flashlight. And this is something I want to, I wanna, maybe I'll finish with this point, okay? Because uh, we never get done with the message here anyway. You know that. So, <laughs> so it's a flashlight. Now, if you're, if you're outside in the dark and you are in the woods or you're on a trail or whatever, and you're in a flashlight or at a campground and it's dark and it's, you know, you, you have your flashlight, and it illumines the area in front of you. But it only has so far of a reach. And literally, I've been in situations where I needed to see exactly where I'm at. And, um, and so as a flashlight, the Bible says it illuminates the, where your feet are going, right in front of you. It's a lamp to my feet right here. They, uh, anyway, here's the deal. What's the last thing that God has spoken to you to do? What's the last thing? Some people get stuck. They're like, I don't understand where, what to do next. Where am I going? How, where, you know, I'm trying to hear from God, but I'm not hearing from God. And the question should always be, what's the last thing God said for you to do? Because as you have a flashlight and you, 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 you have a direction from God, he wants us to move. He wants us to move on that. And so here's the, the space. I have a flashlight. As I walk, what happens? The next step is illuminated. It's illuminated. And you think God's going to show you the whole thing all at once? Are you kidding me? Your brain would go, well, pop. You, wouldn't, you would just wouldn't be able to handle it. You might not be able to handle the challenges that you may not be strong enough to handle right now, but that you will be when they come. You might not be able to handle the, uh, you know, the revelation of, I get to do that? Wow, ooh, aren't I special? Or whatever. And maybe you have too much pride to handle what God's going to use you to do in somebody else's life later. We don't know, but God doesn't show us the whole thing. He shows us one thing at a time. One thing at a time. And so I hope this is an encouragement to you in two different ways. Number one, if you feel like you've been stuck and you, you just don't know, you're not hearing from God anymore or something, listen, 
it's probably because you haven't done the last thing he told you to do. It may, may, may be a difficult thing or maybe a pride thing that's holding you back. Uh, I don't know what, what it is, but God is always speaking to us. He's always leading us, but it's one step at a time. And God wants you to walk in faith. Trust him. If he said this is the next step, then take that step. You take that step, he will do in your life what he needs to do in your life so that you're ready for the next step. And as you move, as we walk in faith, we don't stand in faith. The Bible says we walk. We're, we're moving. We're following God. We're on a journey. And it's not always easy to, to have faith. It's, it's difficult because God will continue to stretch us to trust in him and not ourselves. And anytime that we have to trust in him and not ourselves, that's a step of faith. That's something that we have to grow in our faith. And so I want to encourage you today, wherever you are in your journey, don't be afraid. Fear never comes from God. It's not from him. And you can trust him, even if it's something difficult that he's calling you to do, something you know you should do, you just don't want to do it. Listen, that's what he's called you to do. Do it. Take that step of faith, and he will light your path. You will be walking, and you'll be following him. You see what I'm saying? The word of God is alive and it's active, and it does all these things for us. It leads us, it illuminates us, it gives us wisdom as we need it. The other ones that I didn't have a chance to say were it elevates my mood and it liberates my potential. So our response and what we're doing in these next you know, several weeks that we have that we're giving ourselves to the Word is we're learning the Word, we're accepting the Word, and we're acting on the Word. I want to finish with this scripture, John 13, 17. Jesus said, now that you know these things, right here, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Okay? John, uh, uh, James put it this way, just do it. Right? Just do it. Jesus said, now you know these things. You know my word. You will be blessed if you do them, if you do it. Uh, some of you, the Lord was just speaking to you about the flashlight and you know, and there's a step you have to take. And Jesus says, listen, now that you know this, you'll be blessed if you do it. Take the step. And uh, for those of us who are, are here studying the Word of God, you're meditating on His principles, it's all about putting it into practice, putting it into practice. As we meditate on these verses, as we read the Word of God, whatever God is saying to your heart, step out and do it and you will be blessed. That's the blessing, is living it, doing it, trusting, following in the Lord, okay? So the Bible says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, in every area of your life, acknowledge Him. He knows. He's smarter. He's wiser. He's got the path for you. Acknowledge him, and he will do what? He'll direct your steps. He'll direct your path one step at a time, like a flashlight. All right? Let's stand together. We're going to pray for each other, and uh, we're going to worship as we go. But uh, I'm proud of this church. I'm proud of uh, all of you who are pressing forward. As, Paul, uh, as uh, Paul said, hey, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm going to keep pressing forward to lay hold of all for which Christ laid hold of me. 
If Paul wasn't there yet, I know you're not there yet. I know I'm not there yet, okay? So Paul was, he was pretty, pretty awesome. He says, there's always more. He's saying there's always more. I don't care how long you've been a Christian or how much, how much verses you know or whatever. There's always more for you to press forward and to grab hold of more for which Christ has laid hold of you. There's always more. And we want to be a church that says, I want more. I always, always want to seek more. I want to hunger more. I want more of God. Is that your heart? So every time that there's a chance to respond, every time there's a chance to pray, every time there's a, cha- a challenge to be given, your response should be, oh, yeah, I want it. I want more. I want to respond. I want to grow. I want to hunger. I want to thirst. I want more. I want more. That's the heartbeat of this family. We want God. We want to seek Him. We want to know Him. And out of that knowing, out of that experience of Him, that it just flows out of us, and and He's naturally known to others through our life. Uh, This morning, you might not even know Jesus. You might be here uh, as a visitor. You might just been kind of coming and going a little bit, and you you might not even have this personal relationship with Christ. Well, right now, I want to lead you in a prayer to give your life to Him, to make that commitment, and to know Him, and to come alive in Him, and to be recreated in Him, to be born again, as the Scriptures say. It's my desire and heart and prayer that nobody in this place walks out of here not knowing Christ as Lord and Savior, not having this experience of being born again and having your sins forgiven and being set free from guilt and shame and all that crud of the enemy, and not being struggling all the time, like wanting to live a certain way, but not having the power to do it. The Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you have now the power to do that. And you can live a different transformed life, but it all starts by surrendering to him. Jesus says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? The only thing that, 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 that can, can change our lives is surrendering our complete life into the hands of God, trusting in him. And if that's you here this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer for you, and you're going to walk out of here a new person by the grace of God. Would you bow your heads, please, if that's you? I want to agree with you. Would you just lift your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to pray that prayer with you. I want to get right with God. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want my sins forgiven. Anybody here, raise your hand high if that's you. I want to make sure I give everybody an opportunity to do this. Okay, let's pray this prayer together. With faith. Thank you, Jesus. Say this. Thank you, Jesus. That you love me. That you came. Gave your life. Surrendered your life. Uh, shed your blood for me so I could have life in you. You came to save me, to rescue me, to redeem me, and revive me. And so today, I surrender all to you, Jesus. I place my trust and my faith in you as the Messiah, as my Lord, and my Savior, fill me with the spirit of adoption as the son or daughter of God, that I belong to you, and that I am fully forgiven, deeply loved, and highly favored. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I have the power to live this new life in you, in your name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Before we go, let me also pray for those of us with your heads bowed. Just uh, acknowledge here together 
that there's a step that you know you need to take. And I just want to pray that um, you'll take that step. Uh, the Lord is speaking to you. Maybe that step is just jumping on board here with the series and starting to read your Bible. Or maybe, uh, you know, memorizing the verses or something. But maybe it's something more, more uh, difficult for you, something you need to confess or something you need to change or a conversation you need to have or a decision you need to make. But, Lord, the Lord wants you to move. He wants you to move. He wants you to walk with him, not just stay stagnant. He's got great adventures for you. He's got great things uh, for you. And uh, if the Lord was speaking to you, I want to pray over you right now. So if that, just lift your hand. If you say, Pastor, that's me, and one, one way or another, that's me. Let's just pray, okay? I want to pray for, for you, okay? Let's just open our hearts to the Lord right now. First and foremost, let's just uh, say this to the Lord. Lord, I repent from being stubborn or being filled with fear or being hesitant to trust in you and follow you. But right now, Lord, I surrender again to your plan for my life. And I trust that your plan is good, that you love me, you're not out to harm me. I trust in you. And I pray for your spirit to encourage me, to fill me with your strength to take this step. In Jesus' name. And now, Lord, I pray that you come alongside of my brothers and sisters today. That today you give them the encouragement, the power, the strength, the wisdom that they need right now, Lord, to stop the stagnation in their life, but to move forward with clarity, with your comfort, with your wisdom, and with your power in Jesus' name. Right now, Lord, just stir them up. Give them everything they need to move forward in the plan that you have for their life. Fear, we cancel your assignment right now in Jesus' name. No longer. Pride, you're broken. No more. We're not giving in to pride. We're not giving in to fear. We're not giving in to hesitancy. We, we are going to follow you, Lord. And we commit ourselves to follow you no matter what because we trust in you. And we know that your plan for us is better than our own plans. We know that the enemy is trying to hold us back. He's trying to, he's trying to steer us clear of your plan. But we're not going to listen to him. We're going to listen to you, Lord. We're going to follow you. We're going to do what the, the, the proverb says. We're going to trust in you with all of our heart. We're not going to lean on our own understanding. In all of our ways, we're going to acknowledge you. We're going to trust in you. We're going to follow you. And you will direct our path. You will order our steps. We trust in the Lord. We trust in you, Lord. Thank you, God, for a breakthrough for our brothers and sisters today. For this is the day that the Lord has made. Lord, we decide to rejoice and be glad in it. And today is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow, it's today. So move upon us, Spirit of God. Move upon us to walk out the plan that you have for our lives. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hey, we got some prayer warriors up here. We're going to sing a song. If you got to go, you got to go. But if you have time, let's sing this song. If you need prayer, come forward. We want to encourage you. Uh, even if you ra raise your hand and you just want more personal prayer and encouragement, come forward. Um, I'm going to bless us now, and then we're going to transition to the song of worship and prayer. As you go over at the welcome area, the welcome desk, um, don't forget if you want to get one of these bracelets if you're on the Word team, okay? They'll help you re remember what we're doing. Let me pray that God's blessing over your lives this morning, all right? And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom, his shalom. May it be a tangible peace. May it be a comforting peace. May it be an emboldening peace upon you, your family, within your home, within your vehicles, all week long. May you be aware of the presence of God surrounding you wherever you go. And may you overflow with just the tangible spirit of the Lord, the aroma of life around you, to those around you. In Jesus' name, bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you.